Hello. Good morning. Hi. We're here. The snow didn't stop us. I used to live in the Scottish Highlands, so from October probably through to about April, we'd have about three foot of snow everywhere, and nothing stopped. The roads were open, the schools were open, life just carried on as normal. So I do have a wry smile on my face when we close schools for three days because there's a tiny smattering. Anyway, before I get into that political thing about not paying for the infrastructure, let's move on, shall we? Get myself in trouble, ain't I? Right. So this morning, we're continuing the culture series. We've been rattling through since the beginning of the year, haven't we? What have we done? We've done love, love God, love others, love ourselves, worship, uh, honour, uh, one anothering. Pete did last week, didn't he? Yeah. How are you finding it? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's good. It's quite challenging, isn't it? It's certainly given me lots to think about. And I think the thing about establishing a culture is that you don't just preach on something once and then that's it. It's all magically done. I think we'll revisit these things. But I think the, the point this time around is just to get us all thinking about this stuff and to have an awareness of it. Okay, so this week I'm doing a part one of a two-parter. Ruth Leverett next week. Oh, look at my shaky hands. Sorry about that. Uh, on emotional maturity. Yeah, look at that lack of excitement in the room. <laughs> that, was, that was fantastic, that was. <laughs> really? Um, yes, so this week I'm going to crack open the subject. I want to kind of inspire some thinking and get us thinking about some things that maybe we don't normally think about. Um, and then next week Ruth is going to, in her excellent way, bring it home for us a little bit more, make it a bit more practical and applicable. Um, she's looking at me. I know you are because you'll nail it. Um, so this morning, if we get to the end of this morning and all we're doing is just a little bit more aware of these subjects and we're asking ourselves good questions, then as far as I'm concerned, job done because we're going to continue this next week. All right. So I'm not going to wrap this morning up in a lovely, neat bow for you. Um, I also want to say right from the top that speaking about emotional maturity is a really tricky one because I don't think there's anyone on the planet that is actually properly qualified to speak on this subject. So I'm not standing here as someone who is completely and utterly brilliant at emotional maturity in all circumstances, all the time. Okay, But I am someone who is on a willing journey with God and asking the right questions and um, trying to get better at this stuff because as I'll explain I feel like this is part of what God has for us okay ultimately this morning is just about saying to you guys this is who you are this is what we've got you've got in you this is who God made you to be I want to call you up higher to be the best that you can be that's what it's about so no condemnation this morning but just a chance to do a bit of honest self-reflection so we're going to look at what is emotional maturity why are we talking about emotional maturity? And then we're going to look at three qualities of emotional maturity, just so you get a bit of a feeling. Am I right in the way of that? No? Okay. I am for you. I'm not even for you. <laughs> I'm only joking. Do you want me to move? Okay. All right. So let's start by looking at what is emotional maturity? What do we even mean? Because I've said that word quite a lot already. Um, a definition, a very simple definition, would be it's the ability to identify and manage your emotions as well as the emotions of others. All right, the ability to identify and manage your emotions as well as the emotions of others. It's probably quite important to say at this point that not everybody processes emotions the same way. 
Okay, we're all different. Some people are naturally really good at processing emotion. Other people have to work a bit harder at it. Some people, particularly if there's mental health issues or learning difficulties, is the kind of thing that they could find really challenging. So this morning, I'm coming to you at where you are at and asking you to reflect according to where you are at. I'm not setting some kind of standard that we all have to be the same. I don't think that's what God is asking for us to do. All right, so it's what's appropriate to you. Okay, what else is emotional maturity then? Well, it's a biblical principle. Okay, so emotional maturity is um, a phrase that you would hear a lot kind of in in psychological circles and sociological circles, um, and it feels like a bit of a buzzword. And so when I hear buzzwords, what I like to do is go back to the Bible and go, what's the Bible saying about this particular one? And uh, I wouldn't be standing here this morning if I didn't think that I'd found some roots for it in Scripture. So, Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And in fact, when you read a lot of the verses, and there are a lot of them, they are, there's really verse after verse after verse that is calling us to live higher, to speak better, and to behave well. Okay, it's, it is. And for me, verses like Proverbs 13.10, by insolence comes nothing but strife, but those who take advice is wisdom. And Proverbs 29.11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back, are examples of biblical wisdom in how we handle our emotional maturity we also see it in the life of joseph so joseph is a really good example of someone who grew in his emotional maturity he started out as a young lad who was having dreams and visions and he really was a little bit arrogant and not very aware of the impact he was having when he was talking about his dreams and his visions to his family and obviously we see that they didn't react so well to that or his brothers didn't So then he obviously went through quite a a difficult lifetime, but he ended up being the second most powerful man in Egypt. So how did he go from being a young, arrogant kid, not really thinking about his impact on people, to being the second most powerful person to Pharaoh in Egypt? Well, you could say it's because he was faithful to God throughout his whole journey. So he never let his relationship with God slide, even though he was falsely accused, he was imprisoned, he was nearly killed. You know, there were some tough things that he went through. And you could also say, well, God gave him the interpretation of dreams, and that's what got people's attention towards him. And you'd be absolutely right there as well. But there must have been something else about Joseph that kept him in the courts. It's one thing to interpret a dream. But it's another thing altogether to become someone's advisor and to sit in their courts all the time. What gave him permission to be there? His character. So Joseph had immense gifting, for sure. And he was faithful and a favoured son of God, like we all are. But also, he was someone of mature character, someone that the Pharaoh could be alongside and be with, someone who fitted in in that environment. And what I love when you read about Joseph, and because obviously it's a really long story, I can't read it all now, you actually see his journey a little bit of him processing and identifying his emotions. So you see him meet with his family, and, he, and he's in sorrow. He's expressing regret about the separation between them. And you also see, it also says, I think it's Genesis 45, it says something like, he wept so loudly the whole of Egypt heard him. Now I'm kind of hoping that's a metaphor, because I've been to Egypt and it's big. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? He was kind of, he wasn't pity party. Poor me, look at my terrible life. He was kind of owning his emotions. He was expressing his emotions. He was being honest about what he was feeling and his regrets. We see emotional maturity in the life of Jesus as too. Obvs. Okay. 
Jesus was an emotionally mature man. He sat in lots of different contexts, but he never allowed himself to be baited and drawn in by people's criticism of him. We also see emotional maturity, which is a huge relief to me because I can probably identify with that slightly more most of the time. So people like Jonah and actually a lot of the prophets would just run away or I'm not good enough or I can't do that or I'm not getting involved. Classic. If you don't want to end up inside a, a whale, just say yes to God. That's what I say. Lesson learned. So you might not find the words emotional maturity in the Bible. In fact, you won't because I've looked. But you will find the principles there. All right? You'll find the concepts there. And while we're talking about biblical concepts, let's just really quickly do a quick note on feelings. Okay? Because obviously if we're talking about emotions, we're going to be talking about feelings too. I just want to say feelings are Bible legal. Okay? It is totally allowed to have feelings. God felt, Jesus felt, Holy Spirit felt. And I've got a ton of verses which I'm not going to go through. But Mark, if you could stick them up for me. There you go. There's just some. Anger, laughter, compassion, grief, love, hate, jealousy, and joy. Those were just some of the feels that, that were in the Bible expressed by God or by Jesus. Okay? So, Jesus feels, God feels, Holy Spirit feels, feelings are allowed. But I think it gets confusing because we hear things like, your feelings lie to you or don't trust your feelings. So I think I just want to clear that up and clarify it. What we need to do is we need to be clear about understanding what we feel and why we feel it. That's totally okay. But we also have to have an accurate perspective that sometimes when we're caught up in emotion, we don't necessarily have an accurate picture or perspective of what is going on. That's really what people mean when they say your feelings lie to you. So if your friend is going on a fantastic cruise around the world and it's the thing you've wanted to do the most and you're feeling really jealous and in your jealousy you start feeling some stuff towards your friend, I think that's when you can say you don't trust your feelings. But if someone you love is going through something painful and you're grieving with them, then absolutely that's totally appropriate okay all right so bible legal emotional maturity and feelings so i think now we've established that we can move on i'm not just speaking quackery up here oh. i've got to get these things right haven't we right emotional maturity then well what does it look like for me it looks like love okay it looks like 1 corinthians 13 I think emotional maturity looks like being patient, being kind, not being envious, not boasting, not being arrogant or rude, not insisting on our own way, not being irritable or resentful, not rejoicing at wrongdoing, but rejoicing in the truth. I think it looks like bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things, and enduring all things. Tough, cool, right? Aren't we the lucky ones? Our level of emotional maturity determines how we love God, how we love ourselves, and how we love others. And do you remember Neil said a couple of weeks ago when he was speaking on honour that it really starts with being able to lead ourselves well? If we want to lead others, if we want to disciple nations, we've got to know how to lead ourselves well first. Well, that's kind of what emotional maturity is. So practically, and I'm going to explore this in detail a bit more, but to do love well, it looks a bit like recognizing and naming feelings, okay? So that's the ability to go, oh, there's something happening. Oh, yeah, I'm having a feeling. What is it? Oh, it's sadness. Why am I having it? 
oh, it's because my friend's not very well, okay? It's just that, I, you know, I'm teaching granny to suck eggs here, but I just want to be really clear. Recognising and naming feelings in all circumstances. So that's not always easy, especially if you're like me and you get a bit cross and het up. You don't necessarily always take time to have that pause of why am I feeling what I'm feeling? Okay, initiating and maintaining meaningful relationships. Meaningful relationships, meaning this is where we're at our most authentic. This is where we get to share the intimate things of our life, the things that worry us or the things that we're dreaming about. Okay, to know and be known. Breaking free from destructive, free even, from destructive thought patterns. So the Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our, our thoughts need to line up with God's thoughts. It's not mature to allow ourselves to get stuck when we know our thought life isn't lining up with God's thought life. Okay, we need to intentionally root out those thought patterns. We need to be able to express thoughts clearly, okay? You need to be able to make yourself understood without big, grand emotional displays of emotion. And then finally on this list, learning how the past impacts the present. Okay, we all go through stuff. And I think sometimes um, the things that we go through when you're go as you're going through it, because it's painful, you're kind of in a survival mode. And then when you come out the other side, because everything's seasonal, you don't really want to look back because it was really painful. The reality is, though, that you very rarely come through things in life unscathed. And you might not be aware of it, but the others around you might be aware of the fact that perhaps you're not truly fully yourself because something's gone a bit awry because of your previous season or previous seasons. And so it's important to look at how am I doing and has that impacted me and what do I need to do about it? As I say, we'll look at this in much more detail in a minute. When we lack emotional maturity, it means we're not really loving very well, ourselves or others, okay? And potentially we end up then causing pain for people. And if we lack emotional maturity, we're inviting these kinds of behaviours into our lives, Using God to run from God. In other words, doing for him to avoid being with him. Ignoring sadness, anger or pain. Denying the impact of situations or circumstances. Oh, I'm fine. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Responding and reacting emotionally rather than thoughtfully. I might know a bit about that one. Being defensive. Not being willing to give or receive feedback spiritualizing away conflict oh it's just the devil oh it's just the devil avoiding conflict sweeping it under the carpet covering up brokenness weakness and failure and sin actually i should say there living without boundaries making assumptions and judging others we don't want to live like that do we no, God's called us to something far greater. It's tough stuff, isn't it? When I was preparing for this, obviously, God decided to nail me on everything as I was going through my notes because I've got to get up here and know how I'm doing in some of these things. And uh, I actually felt for a short while a little bit like I am not qualified to talk on this subject. I do not feel like I'm doing well in some of these things. But you know what God said to me? And I'm going to say the same thing to you. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, okay? 
He's given us the ability to be emotionally mature because he is in us and we are in him. So this isn't like a striving to do better. This is more of a resting back in him and going, thank you, God, for who you are, being consciously aware of his goodness all the days of your life and knowing that you, when you are in intimacy with him, you naturally manifest the fruit of life in him. Okay, so living emotionally mature is almost a bit automatic to those of us that are living in daily life with Jesus, which of course we all are. It's just that we also have to be a bit intentional with it and just be a bit more reflective with it and just not just assume that we're doing well. We just need to check in with ourselves. We're just partnering with God when we do that. All right. So no bashing around the head going, do better. That's not what this is. This is God has put it in you and you are glorious. And I just want to call it out of you this morning. All right. So why are we talking about emotional maturity anyway? Why are we talking about it? This is where my prophetic unction kicks in. Okay. This feels like a season greater than any other season that we have been in before. This last couple of years, it has just felt like there is an incredible increase. I am privileged to go to other churches and other places and hear the stories of things that people are doing. Okay, And I have become really aware of one thing that marks out people who are doing incredible things for God. They're not just gifted people, but they're people of character. All right, I want to tell you about my friend. I can't tell you her name because what she's doing is really confidential. But she's very, very prophetic. And she started seeing numbers on spreadsheets. So she would see the entire spreadsheet with an extra row with different columns of numbers on it. Different column with different rows of numbers even. And um, she, by coincidence, bumped into someone who was an investment banker. And he was connected to a network of people. And what they do with their profits is they help developing nations. She told him about some of the numbers she was seeing and described the spreadsheet she was seeing. And he said, well, that's ridiculous because that's exactly the spreadsheet that we have been working on as a group. You're describing the first few columns, the numbers that you're seeing. Those are the numbers that we've got. I wonder what that final column is all about. Now, we're talking about very, very senior people in the city, okay? If it wasn't for who she was, there was no way this guy was going to be able to invite her into that group of people because not all of them were believers for a start. So he couldn't just he couldn't just pull that card and go, I've got this really gifted friend who's seeing some numbers. I think we should see what they mean. He needed someone who was safe to take into that environment. And she is. She's brilliant. She's very mature. She knows exactly how to handle herself. Anyway, long story short, she gets taken into that environment. They start looking at the numbers. They start doing the investments according to the numbers that she's seeing. And there's a very long story, but the result, net result is that they now have the sort of money that there are one or two developing nations in the world that I know that currently don't have water, that will have water once this money hits their shores. All right? That is reformation. She got, she is changing nations with the numbers that God is showing her on a spreadsheet, but she only got to deliver those numbers because she was the sort of person that could be around these city types. Okay, she had the maturity and the emotional nous to be able to do that. God is looking for powerful people to join with his purposes, not just in finance, not just in business, in media, in the, in the arts, in family, in social care, healthcare, education. God's wanting to give us wisdom and revelation to get out there and give them what they don't know so that things look different. 
What if the headlines in the papers looked like celebrating something that one of you got revelation on and because you were mature enough, you got to go and deliver what God showed you? That's possible. She's just a girl. Just a girl. We're just girls and boys, men and women. Okay? But we're favoured children of God. Okay. So... We've got to be aware of what we're like in different contexts so that we can be taken into different contexts. We've got to know how to behave appropriately and we've got to know that our responses to things in those environments are going to be good. Okay? None of us really should be satisfied with the idea of kind of blundering through life a little bit, not really aware of the impact that we're having on ourselves or on other people. We need to be as Christ-like as possible because that's how he's made us. Look at Jesus, okay? He hung out with the highest and the lowest. And his value system and his internal culture was totally different to a lot of the people that he hung out with. But he didn't express himself in a way that alienated people to him. It was the gospel that was offensive, not the way Jesus handled himself. So we need to know ourselves, not just our identity, which obviously is essential, and I hope you are all sitting there with the crown straight, but we also need to be aware of our emotions and our behaviours, okay? How are we doing with that? Seriously, how are we doing with how we handle our emotions and our behaviours? I wonder if you were to ask a handful of people that know you really well how you're doing, whether they might say something that surprises you, good or bad. Yeah. Guys, character is everything. If we want people to trust us, and encounter God through us, which of course we do. The mature life is taking what God has done in us and applying it to the world, okay? And we can't do that if we get stuck in bad habits, orphan thinking. It's time to respond to God's higher call on our life. It's the narrower road for sure. It's not always easy, but he's with us. Holy Spirit is our helper and he's leading us along. For reformation to happen, We have to genuinely believe that we can be world changers. And I think when you start to believe that, it makes you pay more attention to how am I doing? Because you want to get into those places and make a difference. It's not enough just to pursue spiritual maturity. Okay? I think we are starting to get used to the fact that we're big people and that we have gifts and all that kind of stuff. But actually, life in God looks like something. It looks like the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and (laughs) self-control. Okay? That's what emotional maturity is. Peter Scazzero, who's one of my new heroes, he's the leader of a church in New York, in Queens. Neil knows about him, don't you, Neil? And uh, he's written lots of books, including this one called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's a really good read and it's a really easy read. I really recommend it. He says, this is quite a bold statement, it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature because they're intrinsically linked. That's quite a challenging statement, isn't it? And as leaders here, I think we agree. 
which is why we want to put a focus or a spotlight on emotional maturity as part of our culture series. We want this to be something that is part of our soil here at Oasis. When people come here, we want them to meet an emotionally mature people, regardless of what they bring with them. Okay, so let's look at three qualities then of emotional maturity. We're going to look at self-awareness, self-control, and relating well to others. So self-awareness then, by that I'm meaning the ability to recognise and understand your moods, emotions, and motivations, as well as their effect on other people. Sorry, am I in the way? Okay, it starts right here. You cannot do emotional maturity if you're not self-aware. You just can't, because you, you can't ask yourself, how am I doing? Because you can't answer it. <laughs> okay? And this isn't something that we're necessarily all practiced at doing. So I would say that if self-awareness is something that you know you struggle with, here's some questions that you could start asking yourself. Am I okay? What am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? How did that situation impact me? Okay? And if, if that's hard, then ask one or two trusted friends what they experience when they're around you. So this isn't about people-pleasing. If you go around and ask everyone in the room, what's it like when you're around me? What's it like when you're around me? You're going to get a million different responses. So don't do that because we're all speaking out of our own filters and we'll all experience different things around you. But the people that you do life with who really know you, Ask them. And guys, if you get asked that question, if someone here says to you, what do you experience when you're around me? Give really good feedback. Okay, this is about helping people grow. So don't just give platitudes. Give something that might be beneficial for them to know. Just communicate it well. Okay, let's not be afraid to give and receive feedback. The nature of a blind spot is that you can't see it. It's a blind spot. Okay, we need to help each other with our blind spots. Okay. I want to tell you a story about one of my blind spots. Uh, I, in my early 20s, I was working for a small business and um, my boss came to me one day and she said, can we have a chat? And whenever someone says that, you kind of know it's not going to be a great conversation. And she said to me, what's going on for you? Because for the last few weeks, you have been huffing and puffing and stomping about and slamming down phones and sighing and you're snippy. And I was like, am I? I was really shocked. And she said, yeah. And she said, the thing is, this is my business and you're making me feel like I don't want to be here anymore. That was the most direct and blunt anyone had ever been in my life. And I was so shocked. And I have to be honest, really, really hurt. I took what she said in the moment. She said to me, I'm going to give you three months to turn it around and we're going to review it. So she'd obviously been sitting on it for a while for her to get to that point. So I went home and I was thinking about it. And I was thinking, am I being like that? Because I wanted to check that it wasn't just her perspective. And, uh, and I thought, yeah, she's right. I have been like that. And I realized through thinking about it and talking to God that actually I was not in a good place. And that I was struggling with depression. And that I still had symptoms of my PTSD from trauma that I'd been through that hadn't been resolved. And actually, I was finding life really overwhelming. And just being alive was overwhelming, let alone holding down a project management job. So actually, I needed to do something about it. So having that conversation with her was brilliant. Because although it hurt, because I didn't blow up in her face and get all defensive, but I took it away and I actually reflected on it. 
I realised she was right and it was a perfect opportunity for me to go and get some counselling and work through some of that stuff. Three months later, her and I sit down again. She says to me, I have never known someone to turn their life around as quickly as you did. I'm really, really grateful for the way you took what I said on board. You didn't have a go at me and you've changed. And she said, it feels like you're a completely different person, the person that I used to know. Now, I've got to thank largely for that. But it was enough that when she went on maternity leave the following year and decided to be off for 18 months, that she left me in charge of running her business because she said that she, she knew I was someone who would respond to the things that she spoke about. She liked my maturity, was what she said. I was in my early 20s. So, thank you, Jesus, for that one. I had to learn to receive feedback, though, hey? I had to learn to not just blow up in her face. I'm not like that. Proverbs 15:31 says, Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. So let's receive life-giving correction. Let's give life-giving correction, okay? And let's be at home among the wise. So emotional, sorry, so self-awareness then. It looks like emotional awareness, okay? Which is the ability to recognize our emotions and their effect on ourselves and others. We need to develop the ability to recognize our emotions of others so we can empathize with them, okay? That's quite important. If you're, if you're practiced understanding your own emotions, then when you're with people, you'll start to understand how they're feeling and recognize their emotions too. And actually, that's really helpful because it's a way of showing love, being able to get into someone's pain with them and sit with them in it or in their joy with them and sit with them in it. But also, it stops you getting sucked into corporate emotion. So at home, for instance, you might read the paper about the latest political situation and feel quite peaceful about it and know that God's got it and it's all going to be okay. But then you get with a bunch of friends and they're all like, ooh, ooh, and they're all really fearful. And then you feel really fearful and you're like, oh no, the country's falling apart and it's a total mess. And then you get home and go, why am I feeling like that? You got sucked into someone else's emotion because, because perhaps you didn't recognize the fear that was going on in that conversation. Okay, so recognize emotion is great for you, but it's also great for your interactions with others. Part of self-awareness is having an accurate self-assessment. Those are big words, aren't they? This is the ability to know your strengths and weaknesses and be able to talk about them. Okay, so this is the ability to say, I am, this is who I am and I'm good at this and be totally unashamed of being able to say that about yourself. Have the freedom. Know who you are. Bring it. We were singing about God's strength this morning. Sing about your own. He made you. Okay, but it's also about being able to talk about your weaknesses, your failures, sin areas without feeling shame too. That's really important. To be able to have your trusted people that you can confide in who can help you with this stuff. And again, it's the ability to be able to respond well when people are giving you feedback on those things. So if you've got a weakness and you're in team and someone says to you, oh, I wonder what it would look like if you did that slightly differently, don't be offended. Embrace it. Life-giving correction is wisdom, remember? Immature people will find excuses for their failures. They'll blame others, they'll blame circumstances, and they'll take constructive criticism as an attack. All right? Let's not do that. 
Let's be mature people who graciously accept feedback and we honestly evaluate how we're doing. And don't forget that sometimes the feedback you get won't always be correct. This is why you have to reflect. It's right, isn't it, Joe? Yeah. I gave Joe some feedback once that wasn't correct, didn't I, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> Just agree with me. <laughs> We're not always right. I'm not always right. Okay. It's also self-awareness is having confidence in our identity. Okay. A strong sense of who we are and who God has made us to be and embracing it. And an identity confident person will be able to assess their needs well, their wants well and their preferences well. And you'll be able to communicate it. So what I mean by that is if you know who you are and you know the things that God is calling you to, then you're going to be able to make that happen for yourself and express that in the places that you are. You're not likely to be the sort of person to sit back and go, I hope someone notices me. Okay, you're going to be able to express to the right people. Actually, these are my wants and my desires and my preferences. I'm going to make this thing happen for myself. Okay, and then finally on self-awareness. Awareness of reality. So a mature person adjusts to the things that they have no power to change or control. Okay, in life, really, the only thing we can control is ourselves. That's about it. And our responses to things. We can't control much else. There will always be things that happen in life that are unexpected. But it's a fruit of the spirit to bear with and to endure. Okay? Forbearance. Which means a willingness to bear patiently and staying present in the issue. Not running away from it. Not avoiding it. But remaining in the situation. And Holy Spirit, as I said, gives us the grace to do that, right? I think in our immaturity, what we want to do is we want to avoid. So I am a classic at this. This is what I do. When things get too painful, I watch a lot of box sets. Suddenly, I've got a whole heap of time for TV. Tons of TV. Really good dramas that I can get totally lost in that are nothing to do with my real world. Why spend time looking at the things that are upsetting me when I can get lost in a box set, right? Yeah, except it catches up with me, doesn't it? I then start behaving wonky. It's maybe saying things that aren't true. I start to feel distance from God. I wonder how that happened. We need to live in the real world, not disappear into escapism or unreality. All right, moving on then. Self-control. This is a good one. This is the ability to control or redirect and navigate round disruptive emotions. I think you probably know what I mean by those. They're some of the slightly more negative ones like anger and frustration. And the ability to hold our judgment on things, be a bit rational in our thinking despite our emotions, okay? So the first thing in there then is keeping our feelings in check. <sighs> I'm a fiery redhead. What do I know on this subject? Well, I have learned that I need to avoid unnecessary emotional outbursts because they're not very constructive. <laughs> That's what I've learned, <laughs> Okay. My disruptive emotions, anger and frustration, those kinds of things, they cause me to be impulsive in the way I speak and in the way I behave. But a mature person deals with those kinds of things healthily. All right? We recognize our feelings and we recognize our need to exercise control over our feelings. We know our own trigger points. 
and we take responsibility for our thoughts and feelings. Now, that's really hard, isn't it? When you've stuffed up and got angry and all up in someone's face about something, you need to take responsibility for that because, yes, they might have made you angry. But when emotions are running high, we have to watch our behavior. The Bible says, I wish I'd got that verse now. This is my problem for going off my notes. The Bible doesn't say it's a sin to be angry. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Okay? So we need to exercise some self-control and take responsibility for our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions. And when we're in that highly emotional state, we need to put a pause on our judgments because it's really easy to get completely irrational when you are feeling a strong emotion. Fear or anger or frustration, those are the sorts of things that, that change the way you think and make you make judgments about people and circumstances that really aren't true. This person's like that because I'm feeling angry, so I said so. Well, this must be what's going on over there, even though I haven't asked any questions and don't really know. Do you know what I mean? Okay, it's not just me, is it? Okay. We mustn't fall into the trap of making assumptions just because we're feeling a bunch of stuff. Okay? But we must learn to kind of park our emotions in a way that enables us to be able to talk about them. It doesn't mean kind of shutting things down, but it just means something a bit more like... Um, taking a deep breath and saying, when you said that, that made me feel really angry. I'm wondering if we could talk about that. I'd like to ask you some questions to understand why you said what you said. So you're not saying it's not okay to feel angry, but the way you are expressing it is very neutral. Okay? You're not going, okay, which is something I've had to learn. Proverbs 16, 23. The hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent and their lips promote instruction. Okay, so make yourself understood well by just handling your emotions responsibly. I think Ruth is going to go into some of this stuff a bit more next week, aren't you, Ruth? Potentially. So I'll park that there. Okay, also then in self-control, trustworthiness. I don't want to labor on this. But essentially, maintain standards of honesty and integrity, okay? In other words, do what you say, say what you mean, don't make false promises. Now, this is, I'm going to go after this because I do this myself. Let's hang out sometime. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get a date in the diary. Wouldn't it just be better to say, I'm really busy for the next few weeks. Would you mind if we waited a few weeks? Would you mind? And then we'll get back in touch. Wouldn't that be better? Because it's more honest, isn't it? It's classic. We need to make sure that our private life matches up with our public life. So you can present yourself as this amazing holy person if you get an opportunity to be up here. But at home, you could be a nightmare. <laughs> Don't be that. Match up. Okay, And when you agree to do stuff, when you agree to serve or be part of a team or be alongside people, do it to the absolute best of your ability. Don't just do what you can get away with. That's what I'm always teaching the kids. I s <laughs> yeah, anyway, I won't go there for the sake of time. All right, and then finally on uh, self-control, adaptability. So this is a bit like before, being able to do, cope with change. We need to be flexible, okay? We need to be able to adapt. Not everyone likes change, I get that. 
I quite like change, so I embrace it quite well. But there's lots of people around me who don't like change. But we do need to be open to new ideas, new revelation, new thinking. We need to be adaptable and flexible. We've got to allow other people to have a voice into the things that we've been doing for 30 or 40 years. Okay? Let's be teachable, really, I guess is what that's saying. All right, finally then, final point on qualities of emotional maturity, healthy relationships. Okay. The first thing we need to do under the banner of healthy relationships is learn how to understand others. We actually need to intentionally take time to understand the people around us and develop an empathy for who they are and how they operate. We should stop expecting everybody to be like us because they're not. We need to take an active interest in the concerns and the pleasures of the people around us so that we can remember details about their life and ask them questions about it. And we need to accept people without making assumptions or judgments about their lives. Secondly, we need to build with others. Okay? We need to be able to develop key relationships with other people, not seeing ourselves as individuals, but recognising that we're part of a team, we're part of a body, we've all got a part to play, and therefore we need to be looking at how we work well with one another, how we interact with one another, how we release one another and prefer one another. Okay? It means not competing, not comparing, and not being preoccupied with the faults and flaws of other people, or even being preoccupied with all the favour that other people are getting. Let's strengthen one another with encouragement. Third point, developing others. So I think we can do relationship well, but then you really reach maturity when you're at that point of developing other people, when you're starting to sense and see the needs and opportunities for others and encouraging them to take those opportunities. Let's give each other a boost. Let's be spotting stuff for one another and going, you'd be great at that. And then finally, conflict resolution. Successfully negotiating resolution in conflict. <laughs> Emotionally mature people resist labelling conflict as bad. Okay, Conflict isn't bad. It's hard, it's painful, it's unpleasant, but it's not bad. In fact, it's necessary. My experience of conflict is that actually when you stick in with somebody and you work through it to find that resolution, your relationship strengthens in a way it could have never done before. Because what you do is you go to very deep, very vulnerable places with one another, and you show sides of yourself that probably there isn't any other need for you to show unless you were in a conflict situation. I'm terrified of conflict. I like keeping people happy. I don't really like upsetting anybody. But actually, I've learned that when it comes up to stop being afraid of it, because it can make things better. Emotionally mature people handle conflict well. They don't avoid it or run away from it. I think we see this quite a lot in church. I think people get disgruntled and fed up with stuff and they just leave. They don't talk it through. They don't work it through. They don't have the hard conversations and find that point of resolution for both parties. They don't do that. Let's not do that. Jesus got into conflict. Okay? 
The Bible doesn't say avoid conflict, sweep, th- sweep things under the carpet in the name of Jesus, turn the other cheek. It's all going to be all right. Don't face it. Don't harbor stuff with one another. Okay? Get it out in the open. Work stuff through. Sweeping stuff under the carpet doesn't make conflict go away, actually. It stays inside you and it gets bigger and it grows. It just turns into other things like bitterness, avoidance, judgment. Let's seek to resolve conflict. Emotional maturity says it's possible to deal with conflict in a way that there is peace and resolve on both sides. But doing that requires empathy. It does require an understanding of one another, a desire to understand one another. And it, desi- and it requires a kind of a focus on resolving and understanding rather than winning or being right. Emotionally mature people resolve in a healthy way, even when under stress, even when it feels really tense. We seek to communicate our own perspectives, share how we're feeling in a controlled, responsible way without becoming defensive. And we seek to understand the other party by asking really good questions. Help me understand what you mean by that. Can I just check when you said that, what did you mean? I feel like this is happening. Is that what you're experiencing? Don't be driven by your own desire to be understood. Okay? We can do that thing, can't we, in conflict where we're so desperate to get our point in that we're really and it's a really good point and we formed it really well and we can communicate it really, really well. But the other person really needs to stop talking soon so you can say it. And what do they say? No, we've got to listen. We've got to park our responses, listen well be engaged with the other person. Um, I asked Dave if this was all right. When we first got married, we obviously had to learn how to resolve conflict. (laughs) I don't know if any other married couples here can relate. (sighs) Good. I'm not on my own then. You might relate to this story a little bit. So we were an interesting pair because Dave came from a place where anger didn't get expressed, ever. Um, And if it did, it was in a very passive way where everybody felt it, but it was never really talked about. It was just taken out of the room. And because of that, you never really, it's fair to say, learnt to handle your own anger or understand it. So you just didn't do anger, did you? Just wasn't, it was not present. Then he met me. (laughs) This Celtic fireball with a lot of anger because I had PTSD. and And I was full of fear and hypervigilance. And the way it presented itself was through anger. I was terrified of conflict because I'd suffered so much rejection in my life that I thought if Dave and I got into conflict, that he would reject me and leave me. So because I was afraid all the time, every time we got into conflict, my fear would kick in, which of course looked like anger, and I'd be very angry with someone who didn't do anger. So he would judge me for my anger. I was not a good person for being angry. And I felt that judgment. So it took quite a lot of me shouting at him and him making me feel like I was a terrible person for shouting for us to finally realise we probably ought to have a bit of a conversation about what goes on when we're in conflict. So we had to take it outside of being in a conflict situation and go, should we talk about how we argue? Because I'm not sure it's totally doing us any good. And we had to explain and understand each other. 
And when he understood that my anger wasn't because I was some horrible, sinful nightmare, but actually it was coming from a place of fear, his understanding and empathy allowed me to not be so angry. I also recognized I needed to do something about my anger because it wasn't okay to keep just expressing my fear in that way. So I had to go and get professional help for that. But we learned through our conversations how to do conflict resolution. We're not always perfect, but we know now that if there is a situation where I'm fearful and that anger starts to show itself, I'm now able to say, do you know what, I'm feeling a bit angry, let's park this and do it later. And we just do. And I think there's something about having the kids in the house that makes you take responsibility. Because what are we modelling? What are we modelling? All right. Thanks, Dave, for letting me share that vulnerable story. We're doing a lot better, aren't we? We're just not perfect. Well, I mean, I am, but, you know. (laughs) All right. So this morning, there's a lot of information there. As I said, I've just kind of cracked open the lid. What I'm trying to do is just inspire you to be thinking for yourself, how am I doing in this stuff? And what I've done is I've created this piece of paper over here, which if you want to take home, you can, but you also don't have to, okay? This is an activation. It's so bright. Okay, it's just a list of questions that you can ask yourself. I am secure in my, in my identity with God, am I? Am I comfortable that he's made me a person of kingdom influence? I am resilient and long-suffering. I can negotiate solutions in resolving conflicts. All right, They're just things to look at to go, where are my blind spots? What might I want to improve on? Okay, they're sort of questions that I might ask myself from time to time. But in summary then, we see that emotional maturity is actually a biblical principle. Okay, We looked at being a people of character, not just as gifting which means that we get to present the best version of ourselves and that opens doors of incredible favour and influence for us. We get to be a people who value time to reflect on ourselves and grow and not remain stuck in our weaknesses. And we recognise that it is both love and wisdom to be self-aware, have self-control and relate well to others. Okay, stand quickly. Just engage with Holy Spirit for a second. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our helper and you love us and you want us to be the very best version of ourselves. Thank you that in Christ there is no condemnation. There is just opportunity for upgrade. Thank you that your love says, I'm not staying where I am. I'm not going to leave them where they are. Let's all go together. Thank you, God, that we are called to be a people of your love and thank you that you are showing us what that looks like, even if it's a bit tough. And thank you for helping us. Even this week, God, would we feel your help in this area? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's me. Ruth is going to do part two next week. Um, Peter. Peter.